0: Well, hello, Chapel Roswell. My name is Joe McKechnie, and I am so grateful, so thankful, so excited that you're spending part of your day with us. Now, this Sunday, of course, is Mother's Day, a day on which we honor, we thank, we remember the sacrificial love of our mothers. Now, Mother's Day actually dates back, at least in the United States, back to the year 1872. There was a woman named Julia Ward Howe. She urged mothers to unite in the calling for world peace. Now, Julia Ward Howe was an abolitionist. And she is actually the musician who wrote the song, The Battle Hymn of the Republic. You know, glory, glory, hallelujah. That's her work. She was an abolitionist, like I said, who wanted to focus on mothers uniting for world peace. Now, in just a few moments, I want to have a special prayer for all of you mothers. And even if you're not a mother, if you're a woman, you have no doubt had a tremendous impact and influence on others. And I want to pray for you. But first, check this out.
1: Mother's Day I wanted to get something special for my mom to show her just how much I care and I thought how could I go wrong with a clever yet sentimental card stocked at my neighborhood drugstore mom how can I even begin to tell you how much you mean to me you don't just care you care deeply you don't just love you love in hundreds of ways mom why did you just text everyone Albert fell and broke his arm lol to tell everybody that Albert fell yeah but lol Lots of love. <laughs> you are truly my favorite person in the whole world. How many calories are in your fried pork quesadillas? Mom, it's pork and cheese and it's fried, so.
0: I don't know, ma'am, would you like me to go ask?
1: A zillion, mom, a zillion. No, no, that's okay. Um, Which would you order if you were me? The nachos or the chicken chimichanga? If you were you. I don't know, ma'am. Yeah. Why do you keep calling me ma'am? I'm just Kathy's older sister. Mom, your dad still thinks I'm a hottie. Why are you telling me this? You show me over and over again what is truly important in life. Did you hear about that Matthew McConaughey? What a scandal. You are my best friend and everything I hope to be one day. And so I was thinking, after church, We could stop at the Gap and Mom! I was sleeping! You, like, walk in (laughs) mid-sentence! Look, my alarm's gonna go off in five minutes! You have always been there for me. Sweetie, are you ready to go? Yeah. Where are you going? I'm going to the dance! I signed up to chaperone! You didn't think I'd miss this, did you? You didn't sign up, did you? Yeah! (laughs) I treasure all of the memories that we've had together. And I will always be grateful for the beautiful woman and wonderful mother you are. Honey, I found this stuff called GasX. I think it'll really help you. And I have a dollar to somewhere.
0: Kind of a humorous look at being a mother, but there is nothing funny about having that impact and that influence on others. And so on this Mother's Day, will you go to God in prayer with me? Well, dear Heavenly Father, to those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate with you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day, they wear the badges of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experienced loss this year, maybe through miscarriage or failed adoptions or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes and prods and tears and disappointment, we walk with you. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who experienced abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge your pain. To those who lived through driving tests and medical tests and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who will have emptier nests in this upcoming year, we grieve and we rejoice with you. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and maybe surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is certainly not for the faint of heart, and we have real warriors in our midst— We remember you, we honor you, and we thank you. We lift you up in the name of Jesus. Amen. This week, friends, we wrap up our series entitled Jesus and the ER. We're looking at some of the miraculous healings that Jesus took part in. He led the healings of so many people in a variety of different ways. Today, in our passage from Matthew, Jesus continues to provide healing. Now, when we talk about healing, perhaps it's physical. Uh, Maybe the healing is emotional. Maybe even it's mental. The healing could be relational. The healing could be spiritual. The healing could be to our body, it could be to our mind, our brain, the healing could be to even the ways in which we view ourselves, our self-worth, for example. We're going to talk about that in a matter of mere moments, but first, friends, let me take you back to the year 1935. Charlie, Charlie was a brilliant man. He felt compelled to find new and innovative and life-saving ways to bring about physical healing. His motive actually was pretty personal. You see, Charlie's sister-in-law had severe heart conditions. Her malady wasn't something that doctors during that day and age in the mid-1930s could remedy. Heart surgery had yet to be developed, so Charlie wanted to change that. He wanted to bring healing and wholeness to his sister-in-law. Now, uh, Charlie was only 33 years old at the time, but Charlie was brilliant. Charlie was inquisitive, and certainly Charlie was motivated he wanted to find a way to save his sister-in-law. Now, uh, Charlie had amazing ideas. He was invited, in fact, to do research at the prestigious Rockefeller Institution in New York City. He teamed up with a French surgeon who had been awarded the Nobel Peace Prize because of his medical research. So here, Charlie worked tirelessly in the lab to find a way to operate on the human heart without the heart stopping. Charlie developed something that was called the profusion pump. It, It was nothing short of revolutionary. You could remove an organ... You could use a profusion pump to circulate blood through that removed organ. The, the medical community, they hailed this as one of the greatest medical accomplishments of the entire 20th century. Uh, the New York Times back in 1935 wrote a powerful article about this new technology, this technology invented by Charlie. The New York Times referred to it as the artificial heart. The name stuck. Now, in the following decades, the technology continued to evolve, but Charlie, Charlie, he is credited as the one who showed what was possible. So Charlie is credited by many with the invention of the artificial heart. Now, today you can see Charlie's invention displayed at the Smithsonian Institute in Washington, D.C. And and sadly, today, uh, many people remember Charlie, but not for that invention, but rather for one of his other accomplishments. You, uh, You see, when we talk about Charlie, just eight years earlier, back in 1927, Charlie captivated the attention of the world when he flew his small aircraft, the Spirit of St. Louis, across the Atlantic Ocean, becoming the first individual to fly solo across the ocean. Charlie Charles Lindbergh. That's right, Charles Lindbergh became an instant celebrity. His transatlantic flight showed the possibilities of air travel. And eight years later, Charles Lindbergh showed the world some of the possibilities with advanced surgical technologies. Did you know that Charles Lindbergh is credited with the first artificial heart? Go figure. Now, in today's scripture, Jesus shows us how the power and presence of God can bring about healing to you and to me here and now. So we're going to the Gospel of Matthew. Now, in the preceding chapters of the Gospel of Matthew, we read about the preaching, about the teaching of Jesus. But now, in Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter 9, Matthew turns his attention to the miraculous healings of Jesus. Now, Matthew tells of these things not simply, Simply to show the power of Jesus, but also he wanted to show the Jewish readers, the Jewish audience, that the signs and wonders of Jesus show that he, in fact, is the Messiah, that the Jesus prophets, we know them as the Old Testament, uh, were pointing to the Messiah. Matthew records 10 miraculous healings by Jesus, and this morning we're going to take a look at one of them. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, verse 2, and verse 3. Hear the reading from the gospel, the good news of Matthew. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Powerful story. Matthew tells us that Jesus came down from the mountainside. This uh, passage takes place in the region of Galilee on the hills overlooking the Sea of Galilee. Now, Jesus had just finished uh, the so-called Sermon on the Mount, and large crowds followed him down. Now, a man with leprosy approaches Jesus, and this honestly was nothing short of a scandalous, a, a risky move on the part of that guy, but also on the part of Jesus. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me tell you more about the disease of leprosy. It was one of the worst and probably the most dreaded diseases even of all time. Leprosy could cause one's limbs to fall off. Leprosy could cause blindness. Leprosy could cause massive sores to infect one's entire body. Uh, Leprosy was thought at that time to be highly contagious. In fact, if someone came down with leprosy, he or she would be banished from their entire community, from the rest of society. Now, upon diagnosis of leprosy, a priest would invest or or investigate or, or maybe inspect the individual, and if it was seen that, yeah, he or she had leprosy. Well, he or she was banished. His or her clothes, they were burned. The leper's home was torn down. It was razed. He or she would immediately become homeless, forced to live outside of the community, outside of the city limits now you talk about social distancing with leprosy the leper had to wear special clothing they had to shout unclean unclean when he or she saw others approaching them that was so the people approaching them wouldn't come down with leprosy themselves now people who contracted this disease they faced expulsion from society like I mentioned they were forced to leave their homes their families their their entire lives. They were banished to live away from everyone else. And leprosy essentially was a death sentence. You see, there, uh, there were no remedies. There was no cure from leprosy. Most doctors would not get anywhere near a leprosy patient for fear that they, the doctors would too come down with this dreaded disease. The leper lived an isolated, lonely, and shameful life. The rest of society in an effort to stay clean and stay clear of this disease simply pushed them over in a corner having nothing to do with them. Uh, The lepers, you see, were also forbidden to worship in the temple. A leper was considered spiritually unclean. The Jewish people often looked at leprosy as some sort of result to someone's massive sin. The leper was considered a lost cause. Society even looked at such people as beyond the hope, beyond the reach of God, being abandoned by Yahweh. So Jesus responding to the leper was somewhat unheard of, certainly scandalous in the eyes of many. Let's go back to the passage. Jesus came down from the mountainside. Large crowds were following him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand. He touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. There are some rather seemingly subtle phrases that we read in Matthew's writing, but they're actually really big deals. Verse 1, for example, tells us that large crowds came down from the mountainside with Jesus during this encounter with the leper. So Jesus' response was, was going to be incredibly critical uh, why? Not only because someone's life, their, their disease was hanging in the balance, but also because large crowds were there. They were witnessing what was going on. The leper approaches Jesus. Like I said, this was pretty uh, radical in that day and age because lepers were required to stay away from everyone else. But he knelt before Jesus. This sign of utter humility, I think utter desperation. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. The way the leper even speaks to Jesus makes it clear that he obviously thought that Jesus had the power, Jesus had the godly authority to heal, but he was asking for Jesus' willingness to heal. How would Jesus respond? Scripture tells us that Jesus did. Jesus reached out and he touched this man. Now, by doing this, Jesus was going against all sorts of social norms, but he was even, by touching this leper, doing something that was seen as illegal, violating the law. You see, no one in their right mind would want to touch a leper, and according to Jewish law, at that time at least, to combat the spreading of leprosy, it was illegal to come into contact to physically touch someone with leprosy. So Jesus casts aside these man-made laws and customs to bring about healing, to bring about new life. Matthew tells us that immediately this man was healed. This seemingly life sentence of leprosy was pardoned by an encounter with the Messiah. Now, this wasn't the first miracle performed by Jesus. Elsewhere in Scripture, we find that the first miracle performed by Jesus was in the village of Cana when he was at a a wedding reception and he turned water into wine. And yet Matthew records this miracle first. Why is that? Well, because I think the healing of the man with leprosy is more than just a healing, it's a cleansing. While the curse of other diseases may have been viewed as needing a healing when someone had leprosy, it was not a mere healing. It was seen as a cleansing. The biggest miracle that God can perform in your life, in my life today, is to make us clean. Think about it, clean from sin and clean from shame, uh, cleansing us from our past, cleansing us from a life of hopelessness. Jesus left that mountaintop to come to the place where this lowly man dwelled. Jesus comes to the needy, the unpretty, the the messy, the hurting, when it may have been easier to stay up on the mountaintop. Jesus has a way of doing that, doesn't he? Of entering the muck and the mire and the pain and the messiness of our human condition so that he can bring about healing and cleansing and hope. And peace to your life and my life even now here and today you see the 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 leper he was an outcast someone seen as beyond any sort of hope someone who was shunned someone who was shamed someone who was ignored and yet Jesus touches this man Jesus healed Jesus cleansed and Jesus is still doing that today Who are the proverbial lepers in our culture? The the ones who may be seen as as too far gone. Uh, Maybe those people who may not seem like us are more like us than we care to admit. The leper, like fallen humanity, has no options until he has this encounter with Jesus. Jesus will make all things new. Just as Jesus reached out to the leper, God has reached out to you and to me. We're far from perfect sinners who are unable to save ourselves, yet God, in His ultimate grace and mercy, provides a Savior. Back then, doctors would never touch a leper. That was a no-no, but Jesus did. You see, those people over there, our society may not want anything to do with them, but Jesus does. Why does Matthew mention this miracle first? We looked at that a moment ago, but again, because of that significance, Jesus entered the place of hurt, the place of pain, the place of hopelessness. And because, and through the presence and power of Jesus, a life was saved, a life was transformed. It's a power and presence that, friends, is still making a difference Am I willing, like that leper, to humbly approach with the firm belief that Jesus can heal? He can cleanse. He can transform. I don't have leprosy. I don't think that's any surprise, but I do have pain. I may not have leprosy, but I do have sin. I may may not have leprosy, but in my life I have experienced shame and regret. I may not have leprosy, but I have hurts. I may not have leprosy, but maybe I have hopelessness. I may not have leprosy, but, but maybe looking back in my life, there's trauma that has yet to be addressed. I may not have leprosy, but I may have fear. I may have doubt. I may not have leprosy, but you know what? I need an encounter with Christ. How will I respond to that? How will you respond to that? Friends, will you pray with me? Dear most gracious and loving God, we thank you for Jesus, the one who died so that we may live, the one who healed so that we can walk in freedom and hope. Each of us is in dire need of a touch from Jesus. He's been called the great physician. God, may we grant you access to every place in our hearts, every place in our lives. We invite you to chip away at the hardened hearts and the hurting wounds. May we embrace the work that you are doing in our lives. May we be deliberate and intentional about reaching out to those lepers in our culture. May our presence in their lives speak of your presence in ours. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for first loving us. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, the one who healed the leper and the one who desires to heal you and me. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, friends, one of the ways in which we respond to God's presence and power is through our giving. You can uh, see some of the ways in which we're able to give. and, And your giving, it fuels the mission and the ministry of Chapel Roswell, able to make an impact, literally an eternal difference, an eternal influence in the lives of people, not just in our community, but way beyond. Now, last week, we also mentioned these letters to frontline workers, letters that we're writing to the frontline staff, maybe at hospitals, the doctors, the nurses. We talk about Jesus in the ER. There are a lot of miraculous things going on in the ER through and with Jesus doctors and nurses, certainly today, and all that our culture is going through. We also remember the police officers, the firefighters, and the, the medical personnel, the paramedics, people who are the first responders, people on the front line of those who are hurting and in need of healing. So we invite you, as you see on the screen, to write a short note or a letter and a card perhaps, and then we're going to get those to some of those individuals who are going out of their way to bring about hope and healing to our lives here and now. People who put their, their welfare on the line to protect ours. You can drop them by the church, you can see, or you can mail it to Chapel Roswell. You see the address there. Friends, God is doing some mighty things in us and with us and through us. Next week, Reverend Marion Brown is going to preach an awesome sermon talking about the ways in which God is at work here and now around us. People have often joked that, yeah, if Chapel Roswell allows Joe to preach, eventually no one will be here. You can see no one is. Very prophetic. Friends, until we meet again, we go in peace. And friends, always know, always know, always remember that you are loved. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all of God's people said, Amen.